You are listening to Get Your Sexy Back podcast with Kim Coffin, empowerment, sex, love, and relationship coach. My goal is to bring you uncensored healing and pleasurable wellness through sacred sexuality, sex positivity, and empowerment that feels good to your body. So as a collective, we can release shame, reclaim the places we've been most disempowered, reconnect to our body, remember who we are, and step into our unapologetic power basically breaking down the walls of our conditioning and the patriarchy together. My pussy is so excited that you are here. Let's drop into this week's episode. Welcome back to the podcast. I have a fabulous, fabulous friend here with me today, Kimberly DeShiel, who is an OG fitness strategist. I'm so excited that you're here. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Mm, Thank you. We are going to drop in. We actually started this chat on uh, Messenger. And after we're talking back and forth, because Kimberly has been helping me with a few different things with my back, like a year and a half, year and a half ago, year and three months ago, um, helping me doing different release and holding. But we also talk about hormones and (laughs) menopause and perimenopause and all of this stuff, body. And we were, you know, flying this back and forth and messenger about a month ago. And we're like, yeah, well, actually Kimberly was like, I want to come on your podcast. I'm like, why haven't I invited you yet? Yes. please. "Hmm, If ever you want to talk some more about this, what would be a venue in which we could speak about it? Yes, please. So we're going to go into Yes, yeah, so good. We're going to go into body, of course, because Kimberly's right. like a body specialist. We're going to go into perimenopause. I really, I'm in it. And I know Kimberly has been through it and she's quite an expert on it as well. And I bring it into my coaching. And we're also going to go into why you want to pay attention to this in your 30s. Yes, you heard me right. Your 30s, not in your 40s, not in your 50s, not after menopause now. But first, Let's get you to intro yourself. Please okay. give, tell us what you do. Okay. Well, my name is Kimberly DeShiel, and I am born and raised in Los Angeles. I was uh, raised by a crazy folk singer daddy and um, raised on the road. So I'm like naturally nomadic, which I love. Uh, I've been working in the fitness business since I was in high school. It was my first after school job, and I've worked in fitness ever since. So my specialty, interestingly enough, has always been women in their 40s. So imagine me being 18 and having all of these women in the gym studios I was working in sharing with me about their frustrations at 45 years old. You know, like for whatever reason, those are my people. Now, did I know what I was doing when I was 18? Yes, in some ways, but no, I haven't been there yet. So now that I've been there and been through it, now I can really sink my teeth into this topic. But Mm. um, what else about me? Still live in LA, travel a lot, have four kids. They are grown and gone. Um, Had a blast raising them. Um, Ran my own business the whole time, usually as a single mom. And um, yeah, that's, that's me. Mm, and of course, you have an amazing online program called The Experiment that you started when COVID started, right? True, true. I, I think it's pretty amazing. Yes, I've had to take <laughs> all of my stuff online pretty much the first day of lockdown. Then I was like, okay, in-person clients are gone. I lost my whole business and I pivoted hard and opened a program that was right away 
um, mm-hmm. needed and wanted. And it's still going. I think I've taught 500 classes now wow. in two years. So yeah, it's a fun group. It's a beautiful community. And um, oh my gosh, I love every minute of teaching those classes. So mm. and something that I absolutely adore about you is your body approval. I'm going to use the word approval, body love, body approval, all of this. You have like the most incredible posts about body love and loving our bodies. And I loved the one last week that every single piece of clothing is for every single body. Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. And, you know, I've always been like this. So I, I literally had a hard time relating to certain aspects of my job and my career, because living in Los Angeles, I would end up working with a lot of people who are celebrities and who might be getting prepared for a movie. And, you know, I wouldn't get the phone call from the celebrity herself. I would get the phone call from um, someone else, a producer, uh, an agent, a handler. And they would say, well, she has to lose 20 pounds to, to get this role. And I, I like, the numbers, like, I, I don't relate to the numbers of all that. Like, who's, who said, you know? And why'd and you pick that number? Why the number? Yeah. And so, of course, I had to do this in three weeks, right? So that's not possible. Um, time and time again, I would uh, do my work and fix their posture and bring so much life and energy into their body just by helping them become as strong as they could in that short period of time. They'd walk onto set having lost no weight or maybe a couple pounds. I didn't track it, I didn't care. And I would get the phone call that said, she looks fantastic. How much weight did she lose? And I'd be like, oh yeah, all the weight. You know, so, so being that person say in the nineties was really difficult because I had a voice about it on a very small scale but I started my job before the internet existed. So mm-hmm. there, wasn't, there wasn't a great way for me to reach more people um, beyond talking to the women in my circle of clients in my studio. So it's really fun for me to be able to like <laughs> shout it. And yeah. I am super ready to continue on this mission. And now I'm not alone. Back then I felt like I was alone in having that point of view. Now it's routinely talked about and it's like, oh my gosh, I love this so much that the younger women already know they don't need, you know, they don't need to hear it, but they also need to hear it constantly. Yeah. Like get rid of the diet culture, (laughs) get rid of the scale, all the numbers, take care of your body and make it strong. Yes. Yes. All, if all the numbers just went away, we would be better off. I did an interesting post. I don't know if it came out yesterday or today or tomorrow, but I know it's coming out soon. Mm-hmm. I had like an aha a couple of weeks ago of, you know, I'm into the more body and connection and sensuality in that way, but mm-hmm. we're still very synced. But it was like, if we don't love our bellies, which has our solar plexus chakra and our sacral chakra, mm-hmm. can we truly be in our power? Can we truly be connected to our sensuality, our powers and our solar plexus? I wrote a whole thing on it and it like came out of nowhere. I was like, I think I was laying on the floor, actually stretching with my courageous ball. So it didn't quite come out of nowhere. It came out of my body. Um, But I was like, damn, yes. Like we can't 
hate different parts of our body. Now we could go through breasts, through heart chakra and throat, Mm -hmm. through our voice Mm -hmm. and our third eye. We can go through all of the chakras, but especially our core, our belly. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, because I've worked in homes with so many people, often I'll work with couples. So even though my work is almost always with women, sometimes it would be like, can I invite my husband? We'll all do yoga, do yoga or do a workout. Sure. Of course, no problem. Um, and listening to couples relate around body stuff, listening to women say, well, he's not allowed to touch my stomach. Like mm-hmm. why, why? You know? I did it for years. So I get it. Did you? Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Even I, a size six. Like if I was yeah, laying well, on my side, I was like, you yeah. can't touch my tummy. No. Yeah. yeah. That, that was exactly where I was going with that is like women of all ages, shapes, sizes, cultural backgrounds at all levels of fitness or just starting out or what all of the women There's just a group, a large group that doesn't want their stomach touched by their partner. Mm -hmm. And I became very adept at talking that through. And to be honest, I think my favorite conversations about that were with couples Mm -hmm. so that the male partner, if there was one, could hear me say, she's awesome. Don't you think, Mm -hmm. you know, that witnessing and to have him say, yes, she is. You know, like it it takes a village to get this message through. And so that's why as women, we have to continue to remind each other, remind ourselves, remind Mm -hmm. our daughters, remind our mothers, remind our girlfriends, say it online. We need to keep talking about and normalizing bodies that are all shapes and sizes and all abilities Mm -hmm. and all levels of strength and non-strength. You know, all of these bodies are beautiful and worthy and ready for life. And that's what we're looking mm-hmm. for. Mm-hmm. So something else I found in my journey, um, was there's also a piece of, we can be really upset with our bellies and our tummies and our hips and our butt and all of these pieces, but the men, you know, not to be gender to one or another, but generally yeah. the men are like, I fucking love your belly and your ass and your hips and all of that. They don't give a shit. They have no clue what you're talking about. Exactly. That's the best part. That's the best yeah. part. Yeah. And, yeah. and we are creating this turmoil yeah. in our own bodies and body yeah. hatred. And we're looking in the mirror, oh, if I could just lose this or just move this or just, mm-hmm. and, and that's like a big shame piece. And we, you know, especially if we're mothers, like we've carried babies in our bellies. Like this is a sacred, beautiful area that we really can come home to come home in and reconnect. It's also our intuitive power in our sacral center. So we're missing out on this inner GPS, this inner knowing that is there. And then there's the part of, you know, we can go right into pussy and there's another GPS too, right? Like, but this whole area, it's almost like breast down or neck down, which was for me as well. Exactly. I could do both was very, very disconnected and very, very numb in I think infused with like body hatred and messaging and trauma and a whole pile of different things in there, but societal messaging, I think it was around 12, 13 was like, Oh, my belly is too big. Mm, No. Yeah. Yeah. It sticks out when I breathe. No. Yeah. It's, 
It's deep. It's it deep. Is. It starts young. And sometimes it starts at home, you mm-hmm. know, with, with your own mom or I remember your own too. sister or your grandma or your auntie. I mean, I was incredibly protective of the messaging, the body messaging getting through to my daughters, incredibly protective. So much so that um, with both the grandmothers and neither one were particularly uh, shaming in their approach, but still they were using words that I didn't want used with my daughters. Mm -hmm. And I had to sit them down separately and repeatedly to say, I heard you say, I heard you say, look how skinny she is. Mm. Okay. We are not commenting on body size in my family, but I thought it was a compliment was what I would hear back. It's a compliment. Like, sure. In your, in your mind. And thank you for the compliment. And also we're not talking about size in our family. We're not giving compliments about size and we're not making negative comments about size. And that was just a rule. Um, I even had an incident in the doctor's office with a nurse who started to launch into a conversation around one of my girls having weight and height differences on the chart. And I was like, Mm. I stepped between her. I, I literally stepped between her and my daughter. And I said, oh, can I talk to you for a second? And I took her outside and I said, Hey, listen, I work in fitness and, um, it's hard enough to have a mom who works in fitness and who shows up at your parent teacher conference in exercise clothes every darn time. I'm not launching this onto my daughters and you may not either. She was like, but it's just science. I said, "Mm, sorry, that's my area. You can talk to me about it and I'll make a decision about what I want to say to her. And, you know, I got the eye roll and the, she's crazy, you know, look on, on the nurse's face and that's fine. It was a long time ago. Things, many, many things have changed. I'll, I'll say that, but I'm proud of that moment. Yeah. I have no problem with that moment. Yeah. Yeah. I had one recently. Um, I think it was Erica Beal on the internet who's been talking about, you know, you don't need to give your weight at the doctor's office. And I was like, yeah, yeah. Um, and there's a nurse particular that I haven't been in a while, but I am like, next time she's like up on the scale and be like, does this have to do with anything we're doing today? But I haven't seen her, but this week I actually went for a lung test. Um, and he was an awesome, awesome dude. And he said, we need a test. Uh, you'd hop on the scale. And I was like, do you need it for the lung test? He goes, uh, I need a rough weight. And I was like, okay, but I'm not looking and I don't want to know it. And he was like, I totally get it. Perfect. And he was amazing. He was absolutely amazing. Cause I was like, I Perfect. don't want to beat myself up. I don't want to go into a shame spiral. We're not going there. Interesting. Um, so yeah, he was really had, good. I had an experience like that with an OB, one of my pregnancies. Um, he had a stand away from the number. Mm-hmm. He's like, I need to know. You don't need to know. Perfect. Yeah. You know, he said, if I see something out of control, like, you know, I'm, I'm now worried about a health thing. I'm now worried about diabetes or fast weight gain. And then I'll let yeah. you know, but I probably still won't let you know the number. I'm like, <laughs> perfect. Oh my right? gosh. It doesn't matter. If, if all the doctors and nurses did that. Yes. I know. I know. Yeah. It was a good one. It was a good one. I've not encountered it since. Oh. 
Okay, we need yeah. to get that information even to our trauma-informed. I think uh, Shelby Lee does trauma-informed um, yes. practitioner care, like doctors and nurses like that. Is yes. It's a good one. It's a good one. A good one. Yeah. yeah. And I think yeah, even Lee sure. Cordell is going to be doing that kind of yes. stuff too. Mm. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. We need to spread okay. that word more. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Well, Let's dive into perimenopause because it's oh, all connected. Yeah. It's also when we start, you know, pay attention in your thirties because it's when we start to gain the weight around our middle. We can not always, mm-hmm. but all of these things start to affect our health, affect our emotional state, affect our mental well-being. Yeah. Let, let's dive in. Where, where do you want to start? Oh gosh. I mean, I think I want to start with a story. And that was because I loved uh, this age group so much when I was in my thirties, I think there was one book. I think there was one book about menopause and I I should know what it is. I will figure out what it is and I'll, I'll uh, message you with it, with the name. Anyway, I was on duty in the classroom on a rainy day to watch the kids so that the teachers could have a break. And um, I was a young mom because my oldest daughter was, uh, was born when I was 22. So the other mom with me, which was common with the moms in that classroom, she was 10 years older, maybe 15 years older than me. And I'm reading this book on menopause. And she said, why on earth are you reading that? And I said, because I like to know things. <laughs> We're all going to go through this. And she said, oh, ew. And I was like, ew. And I, you know, I'm looking at her. I don't know how old she is. And I said, well, where are you in the in the menopause cycle. And she said, oh, nowhere near, nowhere near. And I said, well, it, there was lots of ew and ugh, you know, how old are you? She said, I'm 50. And I was like, oh, I'm reading that perimenopause, the, the phase before, and again, new concept at that time, right? Is 10 years. So like, you must be right there, right? And she said, no, no, I don't think so. The women in my family, they do menopause late. I was like, okay. And it was just like note to self. Women don't like to talk about this. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Again, things have changed, but not in every city across the world have they changed. No. And it goes into body image. A thousand percent. A thousand percent. Yes. Yes. I'm going to be like my mom, my auntie, my girl. Yeah. You're never going to want to have sex again. You won't even be sexy. No one will want to have sex. You are not sexy when you hit that. So just forget about it and pretend it's not happening. (laughs) Exactly. Hopefully you'll be married and your husband will deal with you because you're going to be unsexy and also you're going to be crabby. Right. And like, you better keep putting out because if not, he's definitely going to find somebody younger. Younger. Yes. I had a doctor in OB tell me that 10 years oh, ago. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was like, pardon? Yeah. Yeah. And the Hollywood <laughs> version is my husband will find someone younger and cuter at work mm. and they are surrounded. So I have to be so, so careful as a 50 something in Hollywood. I mean, it's like, I have heard that more times than I can count. Yeah. Dear everyone, beautiful women are everywhere. Not just, just in the entertainment business. And the truth, I think perimenopause, which I started like 36. Uh It has been the best fucking time of my life. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I started writing about it. So, so again, let's see, I'm 60. And I was finished with menopause by 47. 
So it's been a while. I went through early. Now, I did not know at 37 that I was starting. You know, if, if it's true that it's a 10-year window, and I, I believe that it is true, um, I had no idea. In fact, I had a baby at 37. So it's not that uncommon to go from later later pregnancy. We didn't think of that as late at that time, but what they now call geriatric pregnancy, yeah. right? Which I hate that too. Um, it's very possible that I went straight into the perimenopause cycle, straight out of probably weaning that baby. I'm guess I'm guessing, mm-hmm. um, but I didn't think about it. What I do remember is that it was a very powerful time in my career. It was a very powerful time for me personally. By the time I knew I was in the throes of this, I was then divorced and dating. And then I got scared because it was like, okay, remember, nobody was talking about it. This is, you know, 15 years ago. There weren't Facebook groups about it. Was there Facebook 15 years ago? I don't know. Mm, Barely. There was, I wasn't on it. Yeah, yeah. I think it was. I don't remember when it started. It was a college thing then. But like the isolation of, not having a friend my age going through the same things, not having there be any books, really. And then you go to your OB appointment and they're so quick. It just felt like there was no one to talk to about it. Mm-hmm. So it was a lonely time in our history and it wasn't that long ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and I kind of knew I was starting it. I actually had an inclination in my twenties that I better mm-hmm. have children early, probably mm-hmm. as I started my fertility journey. Cause I actually kept either not getting pregnant or having miscarriages. And I started charting and I started doing my cycles and, and, you know, tracking everything. And I realized really quick that I just had a feeling that I better have children now because I wouldn't probably be able to, or later, I don't know if it was a fear or what uh, I had my last at 30 and at 36, I started and I was seeing the same doctor who I'm actually seeing again in a couple of weeks just to check my numbers um, and started with progesterone. I actually used progesterone earlier. I used it to hold my second pregnancy too. I showed them that I wasn't carrying um, these babies I was getting pregnant with to just even to your period date. Like I wasn't holding it that 10 days and I needed progesterone to hold it. Cause otherwise the egg can't implant. So I'm well-versed in all of that. Cause I charted for myself for years. So I did use progesterone then um, suppository and then starting in 36 had to start using bioidentical uh, even a little testosterone. Cause I knew I was an estrogen dominance. And I found that out through my thyroid and through everything that was going haywire in my thirties which has many different reasons, right? Trauma, um, disconnection, all of this stuff, but we also enter into perimenopause and it all starts to come together. And we get really tired of, you know, one of the guests we had on, I think about a month or two ago, Kelly, I loved this reframe. She's like, in menopause, you almost go back to being like your teenage self before you ever got your period. She said, Every time you get PMS, it's like a mini feminine empowerment course getting ready for menopause. So every time you have PMS, you're like, I'm tired of this. And I've had enough of this. And I'm sad about this. This is the shit that you want to start working on to start clearing up out of your life, start setting boundaries, start setting desires and things, and really look at the things that are pissing you off when you're in PMS. Because in perimenopause, you're going to be really pissed at this shit and it makes it gentler. 
Yeah. Turn the week into several years. Yes. A week of PMS, several years of like, what I think of as like the highest points of perimenopause, right? I, I don't think that the whole 10 years you're existing on that heightened hormonal, <laughs> I'm not going to say craziness, but it's not, it's actually oh, trueness. It's I call self, it actually trueness. Yeah, okay. okay. I like that better. I like that better. Um, but you need more tools in your toolbox is what it is. Yeah, Cause yeah. we have the PMS tools by then. We know if I rest, if I hydrate, if I eat a little chocolate, if I cry and watch a movie, whatever your tools are, you know what they are. Now think about, will those tools be enough for the 10 years or five years or three years, whatever, that you're feeling in this sort of heightened transitional state? And beyond, so, honestly, because you really well, do need those tools beyond. Well, you, we needed yeah. them before, but yes. we only had them a little and then we learned to yeah. have them bigger and then we keep them. So yes, yeah. the payoff is menopause. You've built the tools, mm. you have the tools, and now you don't have as much of a need, physical need for those tools. And then, oh my gosh, you're sailing. It's, I mean, that mm. is the freedom. That is the freedom that we're looking for when this, mm-hmm. you know, the whole hormonal thing kind of comes to a close. And I didn't have sadness about it. I know some women do. I felt elated and free. And um, for me, I was ready for that. I was ready for a whole yeah. bunch of that. It's very sacred too. Like there's something sacred. The same as getting your period when you're a teenager, moving from child to woman, I'm using air quotes here. And there's also something sacred of moving between that phase and the next, which I have another guest coming on. She says she doesn't like moving right into crone, which I'm totally cool with crone. Um, But she's like, there has, like, she prefers like a high priestess um, instead in between to kind of bridge the two. So we don't have to go to crone right away, Um, which is kind of cool. And I'm willing to embrace, but I'm actually okay being high priestess, goddess and crone all at once here. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I'm still in Perry, but you know, I'm at like every three months cycles now. I've done yeah. every two weeks for a few years now or every three months. Who knows? You never know until after that you're done. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah, I've often thought about the crone word. It's it's not my favorite. It's not my most comfortable favorite. Um, I have a tattoo on my hip that is a triple spiral, which is basically maiden mother crone, right? Mm-hmm. And at the time when I was perimenopausal, when I got it, um, I was like, oh, I can't wait to be a crone. Now I wish it had four spirals. And I think of it more like, like um, seasons. So it's like spring, summer, fall and winter. Yeah. I think of winter as legit older you know, senior, you know, the women I work with who are, it's a different age for everybody. I don't think there's a number women mm-hmm. I work with who are 80, you know, who are 78. It's, it's that to me, that is crone. That is mm-hmm. winter. Um, to me, like there's this fall season where all your colors are just like out. You're like strutting your stuff. And to me, that's sort of like hairy to menopausal, mm-hmm. right? Can you and, add a fourth um, loop to your tattoo? I, I've been designing it. That's what's so funny. That's Ooh, what's so yay. funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but spring would be, you know, prior to childbearing years, like, you know, ah, and summer is to me just feels like pumping out babies or the equivalent, pumping out work, work. pumping out yeah. creativity, pumping 
out life. We don't have to have babies to have mm-hmm. that season of delicious out, output and birth. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, birth. exactly. it's interesting. I use the seasons a lot in my work as well, because our relationship can go through seasons. It can be a week. It can be a month. Our um, pleasure can, our orgasms can, our mm-hmm. sexual turn on can, everything in our life can go through all of these seasons, sometimes daily, sometimes weekly, sometimes monthly, and then over the course of your life. Yeah, absolutely. Another thing we have in common. I think the same thing. I, I'm, ex- I'm on the exact yeah. same page with that. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. totally, I totally agree and share your view on that. Yeah. Mm. So, well, let's tell them why they want to pay attention in their thirties if they're not quite sure yet. Oh gosh. Well, from where I sit, um, body wise, the more tuned in and knowledgeable, um, and the level of self-understanding you have about your body, your physical body, um, in all the ways, but I'll just stick to what I know the best, which is how your body moves, how your body functions, how your body feels, um, pain levels, structural pain levels. So let's say, for example, in your 30s, you're in your phase of just working out as hard as you can. Mm, your workouts are causing injuries, small ones that you get over. It's no big deal. What if all the 30 somethings pulled back 10% and did nourishing strength building activities for muscles, for bones, for joints, for cardio, and then layer in the flexibility and the stretching and the goodness. And, and as you build tools, your body has an opportunity to hold your life in a way that is much more grounded and Mm -hmm. potent and effective. You're gonna sleep better. If Mm -hmm. if you're interested in having babies, you're gonna carry babies easier. If you have a stressful thing happen to you, a fall and illness, your own, someone else's, you're supporting people, your strong body is ready, right? Mm -hmm. So you and your body need to be best friends. And the sooner you can start that process, the better. Um, And that doesn't even scratch the surface of things that are more like your area, which is sexuality, connection to pussy, all of those things. I'm just talking about structure, like at a very basic yeah. level, we are women with bodies. <laughs> How can we make our bodies feel better, be stronger, and last longer, right? Mm-hmm. You want to keep your knees forever? You don't want to wreck them when you're in your 30s, right? Mm. So like, you want to start You can use building. that. If you want to keep your emotional stability, you don't want to wreck it in your 30s also by ignoring and depleting and burning out and overworking because that's exactly what's also going to happen on that side, right? Absolutely. So if you start to collect those tools, same as working out tools, strength tools, if you start to collect those tools, you can be grounded, you can trust your body, you Mm -hmm. can listen to your body, Mm -hmm. you can... Um, avoid because, well, I went the hard way, I guess, towards it because I had disconnected, which many of us have. So sure. come late thirties, especially as I pushed 40, I'm 46 
in a bit now. Um, but as I pushed into the late thirties, like things like burnout and exhaustion and frustration, mm-hmm. uh, anger, traumas that I really hadn't dealt with either my own or others, or even my own, um, I call this is technically a trauma, like making ourselves small and shutting ourselves down and not speaking our truth is also creating another trauma in our body. So by dismissing ourselves in all of these different areas in our thirties, which is the biggest time that we do a lot of it. I don't know why, but we just do. We're busy mothering or we're busy birthing or we're busy working. And if we don't, we hit burnout. We fry our adrenals can fry our thyroid. I'm talking from experience here, did both. Um, We can go into this really hard perimenopause transition where we are exhausted and depleted and burnt the fuck out and angry, which leads to a lot of divorce. Like it affects everything. But if we step back and learn tools to hold ourselves, to take care of our bodies, whether it's working out our emotions, our sexuality, our empowerment, our boundaries, all of it, all of it. It's like, take the the go, go, go energy and turn it inward. Yeah, You know, because I think in your thirties, you have so much energy and your calendar always feels wide open, even when it's not. And the, our ability to go, go, go can be a beautiful thing. And it can be a downfall because like you said, with burnout, like, like I'm saying with injury, um, just emotional, um, crisis of any sort, you know, the mind, Mm -hmm. the body, your soul, your sexuality, you can hit the wall in any of those areas and you can hit them several times before the impact is great enough for you to notice. And mm-hmm. you don't have to wait, you know, oh. if, if you front load the knowledge that in this season of life, this is something I could be watching out for. Now, not everyone is going to hear that that way, but if we're saying it enough, I do think that women in their thirties will start to feel it, see it, believe it. And I know this because a large segment of my practice is 30 something women. And Mm -hmm. these are women who have the understanding and the connection to be able to see what I do today impacts me tomorrow in 10 years in 20 years and beyond. Maybe these women have moms like me and like you, and we're modeling that for them, but sometimes they don't. Sometimes they just Mm. got lucky. And they mm-hmm. heard someone talk about it, like us on this podcast, you know? Yeah. And so. the exhaustion's interesting because you talked about this. It happens in every different way. It also happens very slowly, subtly, very slowly. So before you know it, you can look back and go, oh, yeah, I guess I am not what I was 10 years ago or five years ago. And we think it's just because we're getting older, which is bullshit bullshit mm-hmm. and we can hold ourselves with supplementation with working out with food with so many different things the time the moment in time you know it's bullshit about getting older is when you pass through beyond menopause and all of your energy comes back mm. and i mean i can look at pictures of myself 10 years ago and be like 
I look so tired. Yes. And I look so much older than I do now. It wasn't lack of vibrance. I was a vibrant person. I was doing too much. Yeah. And I wrote down doing too much because I wanted to come to that too. Yeah. Because we are stuck in this double bind, which I've spoken about about before with Kashi Arbonic or um, Mm -hmm. a few different people talk about it. Mama Gina does too, where there's this good girl and not good enough. And we're constantly trying to be the good girl, the good mom, the good wife, the good employee, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. and we are overworking and overdoing yeah. and overgiving yeah. because if not, we're not a good mom. And if not, we're not a good wife and it's not true. We're yeah. actually no good if we don't come home to ourselves and fill our own cups first in mm-hmm. body, in food, in empowerment, in quiet time, mm-hmm. in vacation, in time to think. Um, but we can get stuck in those thirties with kids and thinking we have to do it all, which another thing society's created, you know, we're trying to shift out of it, but it's, it's still hard, right. Especially yeah. when women are working and raising kids. Yeah. And, and if you find yourself in the phase of doing it all, just taking work, for example, and then you hear the message and you can be a working mom too. And you think that means leave the work just exactly as it was. Your partner leaves their work exactly as they do. And somebody's got to spend a whole lot of energy bringing a baby into the world and keeping Mm -hmm. them alive. And then following them through some teen years, which I think are way, way harder than baby years. I had way more Um, fun, actually. I'm the opposite. I loved teen way more than I'm not saying it wasn't fun. (laughs) I'm saying that babies for me came really easy. I didn't, maybe it was because I was so young. You might have this too. I think it's because I was fried. My adrenals were fried and I was burnt out. I think that's why. Yeah. Yeah. No, for me, I had a lot of teenagers at the same time. I had my own plus an extra one. So it was more like, so there was so much going on and yes, it was so fun. I love teenagers. That is, that is the truth about me. I adore them and they're bigger than life. They are, there's a lot of energy in the house and there's a lot of things to do. And, you know, I raise athletes, so there's like a zillion things to go to. Um, but yeah, you, you have to shift your thinking at some point if you want to be your healthiest, most present, clear-headed self and pain-free self. So it's better to shift it earlier than later. It you really know, is. If women pre-motherhood are already um, having an eye for how to take truly the best care of themselves, and I'm not talking about self-care that you pay for or anything fancy. I'm just talking about, are you resting? You know, Are you hydrating? Are you getting food in your body? Are you, are you, um, are you doing some things that just feel nurturing for no reason? You know, h- how are you taking care of yourself, mind, body, spirit, however you view your whole self? Are you just putting a, putting some, some nickels in that bank, you know, so that yeah, you can draw on them full. later? We yeah. have to keep that, that tank, that bank full. Yeah. We have to. Yeah. Um, and I know for young mothers and, you know, mothers with, children at home still, especially in the pandemic, it's really hard, really hard. But that's when we have to like 
hire a babysitter. Even if you're at home working out, have a babysitter, a teenager come over and pay them $10 to play with your kids while you go work out. Like whatever that may be. I know there's different values and prices in babysitting across the world, which yeah. I've heard California is redonkulous, um, like $30 yeah. instead of the 10 that yeah. I'm talking, yeah. but there's different yeah. ways trade yeah. with another mom. Yeah. I was, I was going to add that too. It's like supporting all mothers at all income levels, you know, because when you're in the thick of it, especially if you're a single mom, um, the thought of a babysitter is like food or babysitter. No, then you need food, you know, yes, but a trade exactly, will exactly. work with another mom. My absolute favorite childcare emergency care situations have all been wrapped into the community of women that I made sure to know at school. You know, mm. I would, I would make friends and, and be a good friend to moms who didn't have to work so that if I got stuck on the freeway, and I knew that after school care would be a dollar a minute if I was late. Mm. I could call someone and say, hey, can you grab, can you grab for me? I only need 15 minutes, but can you grab them for me? You yeah. know, and, and so building that community. I mean, that is such a powerful piece in the area of self-care. Yeah. And it's, it's, a, it's a piece that changes across the seasons of your life. You know, in some seasons, you're at a school with moms who have kids the same age in some phases, you know, prior to kids, it's your work or it's your neighborhood, whatever it is, how do you build community to support mm -hmm. you through these crazy hormonal things that are going to come later, hormonal yeah. and otherwise. But since this is about perimenopause, we can say, you're going to get tired. <laughs> you're yeah. going to need that friend, you know? Yeah. And if you haven't made, so. <clears throat> pardon me, if you haven't made those you know, connections, don't feel bad. You can still just go and ask somebody and like, oh, I'll make it up to you. I can trade. Um, a thousand percent. If you are able to be honest, that yeah. other mom feels the same way yeah. and can't wait to take, and can't wait to take you up on your offer to help her out later. Yeah. You know? There's just so yeah. much wounding. We also hold around mm -hmm. women and cliques and it all goes back to high school and pitting ourselves against each other and yeah uh, and yeah. that can be tricky too to navigate but reach yeah. out and, and ask for help that way mm -hmm. is really mm -hmm. essential and it's such a win-win it took me till 40 to really try honestly do that it really did yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Really you get it when it. you get it right mm -hmm. there's no rush yeah it's a long life we get to live a mm -hmm. long life <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh, there's so much goodness in this episode. There's there so is. much packed in here. There I know is. we could talk for hours. We could. And we hours. Could. Maybe we just do another one and that's totally okay. Yes. Um, but is there any, you know, thing that you want people to know that may be struggling right now that you want to share? <sighs> Women specific or perimenopause specific? You know what? Women specific, 30 and up. It doesn't matter. We're all kind of moving towards it, aren't we? Yeah. You don't have a choice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Keep your body in motion. Mm. Um, step one foot out your front door and see if it leads you to being outside just for a couple of minutes in any weather. And I'm really talking about a couple of minutes. Walk away from the screen. Give your eyeballs a rest. You know, give your posture a change. Find your community. Mm. And, you know, 
try to find the playfulness in as many moments and situations as you can, even when life gets super hard and we all have those phases. When, once you've done your breathing and you're crying and you're whatever it takes to get to that next moment, just look for the butterfly, you know, mm. look for the pretty cloud and, and just for one moment, allow yourself that. So Beautiful. it all gets easier. It all gets easier. Yeah. Yeah. But take care of you. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that looks different for everybody, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got to yeah. find what your body needs, mm-hmm. find what you need, really trust and listen to your body and don't put yourself last. You have to put yourself first or you can't do the Ooh. things that you want to do. This is the podcast we need to do, how to put yourself first Ooh, when you don't okay. have to yet, right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I could have used that. that. I could have used that as a younger woman for sure. For sure. Well, write that down. (laughs) What is your favorite place to be found? So is it Facebook? Is it Instagram? Where are your places for people to find you? Um, Facebook is the place I write original things the most at this time. Um, On Facebook, I'm Kimberly DeShiel and it's Kimberly with an E-Y and DeShiel is D-A-S-H-I-E-L-L like Dashiell Hammett. Um, mm-hmm. same name on Instagram at Kimberly DeShield and my website's the same Kimberly DeShield.com. So, Yay. but what I really love to do is get on the phone because I'm so old school. I give out my number as though I'm answering the phone at my studio. I'm really easy to find and I love um, phone talk connect too. with. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I feel like I'm running a business. I should pick up the phone. So yeah. I know not everybody feels that way, but if you ask me what my favorite is, it's the telephone. <laughs> Fair enough. So message her, find her. Welcome <laughs> to me. Phone ask call? me for my number. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Why not? Why not? So amazing. Yeah. And we'll yeah. drop all your links. And if you want your phone number too, uh, in the show notes, your choice. <laughs> they, can, they can text me. They can message okay. me first. And message then I'll you first. Fair <laughs> enough. I was joking there anyway, but it was funny. Oh, that's, um, that's but we'll hilarious. drop all your links. We'll drop them nice. in the show notes. Nice. And, um, yeah, sounds good. Thank you Thank so you much, so for, much for having me. Oh my gosh, it was so fun. It was so fun so, hanging so. out with you. As well. Thank you. And for our listeners, until next time. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you got a juicy nugget or two, scroll down on whatever app you're listening to and leave a five-star rating and review. I invite you to follow me, join the conversation, the weekly lives, and a lot of other amazing free content in my private Facebook group, Get Your Sexy Back. You can also friend me personally on Facebook, Kim Coffin, and follow me on Instagram at Get Your Sexy Back Coach. If you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, don't be shy. Reach out. I'd love to connect with you. 